You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. This is Debbie and I'm here with Christy. Christy, I don't ask this very often anymore. So I'm just going to ask it because mm-hmm. you used to give me a hard time. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? Oh, <laughs> I wondering where you're going with that. Remember, I yes, would say that true. every every week and you'd be that. back in the day, mm-hmm. the first season mm-hmm. we did this mm-hmm. and you'd be like, stop asking me how I'm doing. <laughs> I am freezing right now. My toes are cold. I've got gloves on as we're sitting here recording. We're I'm recording cold. in a room that is has some windows, and right now the wind chill outside is still cold, like two degrees, it I think. It's so cold. It's, it's good. I'm good. Martin Luther King Day was a good day. Like, the kids didn't have school, so that was fun. There was yes. snow. I'm good. Yeah, there was some little snow. There was we a have lots bit. of snow in our area. Somebody else said they didn't have much we had a dust stain where it was like a very light layer, but that's it. We didn't have I feel a like ours was a, not a huge amount. You couldn't build a snowman, but you yeah. could make snow angels and oh, see it. Good. And you could probably, could you make little snowballs? Yeah. Like in ours, it was yeah. hard to do that because it wouldn't stay packed. It yes, was very true. Like, I think there wasn't much of it on it, actually. So I saw them too. <laughs> that's so gross. So stayed together. I saw my nephews spit on Frozen uh-huh. spit balls. in the snowballs mm-hmm. so that they stay together. Yep, oh, that's, that's hilarious. That's that I think about it such a boy uh-huh. thing to do it is i didn't think twice about it i didn't even stop him i just was like go for it it was fun that is awesome yeah that's great yeah you had a sweet family picture it reminded mm-hmm. me when my kids were little whenever that because snow didn't have it the freezing and the cold and the snow over the last five years has been more mm-hmm. than it was it would happen maybe every five six years mm-hmm. like once back when my kids were little mm-hmm. and the end um wait i have a question when you were growing when uh-huh. you were growing up how did you know if y'all had school or not? So, like, did you have to wake up and watch the TV crawler yes. at the bottom? Uh-huh. And, and then, then just wait. that It went alphabetically. So what was your school? Like, we had to wait for Plano. So we had to wait. We had to get through Dallas, all the A's, the B's, the C's, and get all the way to Plano and just sit there at 6 a.m. So, or 6.30. Yes. So in the... And we didn't even get phone calls. In you the legit UK, had to yeah, wait. you had to wait on the thing. Mm-hmm. In the UK, we really didn't have issues with snow hardly ever. And so we were our never out. Our schools being canceled? Our schools being canceled. Um, but... When I remember before we moved over there, we lived in Dover, Delaware, mm-hmm. and we would get these big blizzards. Did they cancel school? And so school? sometimes you'd have to cancel school just because you couldn't. Like, I remember one year, like, my dad opened the front door, and the snow <gasps> was all the way to the top. That's and he awesome. had to, like, he made, like, a hole and, mm-hmm. like, all this stuff and, Could like, crawled out. And then there was snow in the ha- got in the house when he did mm-hmm. it, but he made like a big hole, crawled out for a bit, and then came back in. And we all got our snow suits on, and he so took fun. us one at a time and like threw us out the hole. Oh, so fun! <laughs> and then he crawled out after mm-hmm. us, and we just spent all this time out. So it would be things like that. But yeah, now that you're saying that, we would like, like my kids you'd go have to, to watch for the like the mm-hmm. little ticker. Yeah, they go to across. sleep knowing if the school's canceled or not, and you get text messages, emails, social media. Yeah. But we would have to wait that night. Yeah, like Bella, like the ex, like please cancel, please cancel, please. Yeah, and the whole day just waiting, please cancel, and you go to sleep canceling. Like is kind of like Santa. Is Santa, is yeah, today, is Santa yeah. coming tomorrow? I don't know. Is the snow coming tomorrow? And then you wake up the next day and you wouldn't get dressed till you waited to see 
if Plano ISD was canceled. If it's yeah. on the list, then you were just partied. You're already awake and you didn't go back to sleep, but you loved it. You probably got dressed. So I taught for Frisco ISD for five years. Mm-hmm. And before that, I was in like El Paso and Bryan or whatever. Um, so for a total of like eight years, I guess. Um, and even Colin College, I taught for several years. In all those years, I think maybe we had one snow day, one or two. Mm. Like you, w- the snow days that were on the calendar, you knew you were just going to get those off. Yeah. Because you never used them. Mm-hmm. And um, I just find it so interesting that we're using them so often now. Like the last few years, it's ice days. It, I mean, I don't mind getting the cold, but this is. This is extreme. Extreme. I don't mind cold either, cold. but this is too much. It is negative wind chill of whatever, yep. negative two or something. Well, and Plano's uh, out, but Frisco's not out. Gentry nope. woke up this morning and was like, do I have to go to school? I said, yeah. She goes, my stomach hurts. <laughs> okay, well, you're still going to school. So what do you want for breakfast? <laughs> like, good try. <laughs> she didn't even skip a beat. I was like, next time you need like a pregnant pause. Yes. And then tell me your stomach hurts. But no, she still went. So Joel is out at A&M. They're not, they don't have school. And mm-hmm. then even UTD where Alexa is, yeah. they're out. And so they were like, awesome. We've just been, Joel even told me. And the one that really wanted to be out is in. Is in. Isabella. Isabella. (laughs) Yes. She had to go. She got up this morning at five and went to go work out with her dad. Oh, geez. So she goes to work out and then she takes everything and goes to her little child development class where she teaches Mm. these little four-year-olds. Oh, that's fun. At a day. She loves it. But she's been sick a lot this year because she's been working with children. Oh, my gosh. So she's been bringing home all kinds of Uh stuff. Can't imagine. Yeah, it's been, but it's what she wants to do. She mm-hmm. wants to work with kids, so she's building up that immunity mm-hmm. now. <laughs> totally. That's what you're supposed to do. Yes. So um, it's cold here, but it will be warming up this week, but it's still going to be getting cold again later. We'll still have all normal pro- programming, yes. too, here at church, unless FISD closes. That's right. So like and Wednesday nights, we'll still have everything. It's Friday mornings, yep. But do you like to, um, when you have days, like if say you had several snow days or whatever, do y'all like to hole up together in your house, like be all cozy and mm. like play games or does it drive you crazy? Do you get like cabin fever? Cabin fever oh yeah. We like to, to hold out. up for one movie. <laughs> one. That's all we got in this. One movie. And then it's out. And last time we had snow, we actually trucked it up and my brother was with us and his, um, three boys and we all got dressed and we walked cause we live like right here by the church and we walked down main street and we trucked it. And we went to go eat. We were going to see what restaurants were open. We had nothing else to do. So we're like, let's go see if Chick-fil-A is open or Ernesto's. We didn't think to call. So okay. I don't, let's not even talk about that. But you just wanted to get out. We want to get out. Anyway. So we started walking. I actually think we're going to get hot chocolate up at beverage world. And then we were like, let's go see if Ernesto's is open and Chick-fil-A and Ernesto's was open. So we went, had lunch, and the kids were like, go get the car. And we were like, nope, you got to trek it back. And then we watched another movie when we got back. That's fun. We really only have like a movie in us during the day. Okay. We don't sit around all day. Like they'll go play basketball. They like jumping on the trampoline with snow and all that. But no, why? You're probably the opposite. Yes, for a little bit, like. You sound like my brother's family's that way with yeah. you. They guys, they have to be just, and they've Moving. been that way since they were little. That's I mean, how, they're just, same, that's exactly and my brother's been. that was that way. And his yeah. wife is that way. And mm-hmm. so their kids are all that way. Great. It's awesome. Um, we can do probably three days, <laughs> four days Whoa. of in the cab. And we just, 
We have everybody frozen. can. Everybody can, and we can sit there and we can play games and watch movies and for three eat days, at three or four. Like the last snowstorm when we were all there together. I mean, it was so great. We just mm-hmm. oh, and the one where we lost power. Where yeah, everybody was. Well, our gas we didn't fireplace. Lose, we didn't. You didn't lose any. Mm-hmm. Our gas. We were on rolling blackouts. Yeah, and our gas fireplace puts out a ton of heat. Yeah. So we were all in the living room. Yeah. We just brought mattresses so do you all have like your laptops are you all watching shows is it just different thing people doing different things it depends it ebbs and flows sometimes you're like okay everybody let's come and play you know whatever and then um other times it's hey we're gonna watch a movie if you want to do a workout class together so during covid (laughs) during covid we did now covid's when i lost my mind when we were stuck for a few months like i would go out and walk I didn't realize how much I talked to people like in the grocery yeah. store. It was more the people not talking to me when I yes. was around people because yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. I'm mass on. But um, but no, when you're all stuck inside and you can't go anywhere, it's like we have, I don't know, we have so much fun. I like it. I love it. I love snow days, but I love yeah. being active. I Correct. just can't sit. Like we made get what you're chicken saying. spaghetti. We made homemade bread. We yeah. made chili. They went, the kids went up to Staley. They got on the big field. The dog almost got stuck on the football field. <laughs> It was fine. Gentry helped him out. It was fine. <laughs> Whitaker was like, Timber barely made it up the football field. It's like, well, thanks for taking him. So Letting him get out. Yeah. I just can't imagine. I think my chest is getting tight thinking of being home for three days and doing nothing. That's hilarious. I could never. Even if I had a, a ton of food, like supplies. Because you think like, because in your mind, like playing games and like that's fun. movies and all that's fun, but it's doing nothing still. In your head. Because we would, because you know, you're no, still doing you do all things, that stuff. but like you would do that. And then you'd be like, we got to go outside. We got to go move. Yes. Yeah. No. Like so even yesterday, I was that. like, okay, I, I worked a little bit and got some stuff done. And then Creighton was home with me. The other kids had gone to my brother's house. And I was like, come on, Creighton, we're going on a walk. I mean, it's 10 degrees, 20 degrees outside. I was like, bundle up. He's like, it's cold. I was like, great. <laughs> bring a snack. We're walking. And so we went on a walk. And I was like, this is so good. I'm just not a sitter. Yeah. But I enjoy That's the do nothing day. I feel like just mm-hmm. the comfort of knowing, hey, this is what we're doing. Right. All my, my peeps are here. It's only for three or four days. Yeah. We can just enjoy it. That just is so relaxing. I to totally me. agree with that. Because yep. you know it. it's not forever. Yes. And it's just a little bit of time yeah. and you can take advantage of it. Versus kind of a long-term thing. You're like, when does this end? Like, That's where what, is That this was going? the question, right? When does it end? Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, I guess that's my answer is my cabin fever. <laughs> Maybe then is directly proportional to <laughs> the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can definitely go more than just a movie. Yeah, I wish. Okay. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> well, we have an interview today with um, Kim Bailey. And she is she attends our ch- our church along with her husband. And we're excited that you guys get to hear her, her testimony. Mm-hmm. She has a very story. unique story yeah, good. and, um, of her childhood and growing up and mm-hmm. everything. And, um, it's, she was like all of our interviewees. They're all just sweet and fun mm-hmm. to talk to. And, and we're thankful they say yes. We're always thankful they say <laughs> yes. You're exactly right. <laughs> so we can do this. But anyway, so yeah, we're, we're talking to Kim Bailey today. So if you guys know her or see her or you can Give her a big hug after after you hear her story. So here is the interview. So we are here for the interview today. Um, we have a special guest we're excited to have with us who's sharing her testimony with us. Mm-hmm. So Christy is going to introduce her as she does with our lovely guest often because mm-hmm. she is out there recruiting all you people. 
she does a fabulous the job. spirits leading to encourage other ladies right. to share their story and all the fun things. Yes, we have the wonderful Kim Bailey with us. She is wife to Dan Bailey. They lead a fabulous small group. We share a room, like a wall. We share a thermostat, actually. That's <laughs> and what's funny is I've talked to Dan a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've hardly ever talked to you. you but Dan, I've why? talked to you a bunch. Because as a she deacon, I guess. is an introvert. Mm-hmm. Okay. A big, big mm-hmm. introvert. Okay. And so that's why if she talks, if you talk to her mm-hmm. husband, she's like, thank you for not talking to me. Right. Thank you. Just keep talking to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's working on it. I am. And you're, you sound like you've done a fabulous job. So yeah. you have an interior design business. You've been I in the interior design business for a long time. Yes. You're for, down in Addison. That's correct. I have 20 years. 20. That's mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Second career for me. Right. And you're right about not knowing me for years. I was always Dan's wife. No one never really knew my name. I was we kind of there. We are changing that. You are yes, Kim, girl. That's right. You are I was Kim. Dan's wife. And I wear that proudly. But yeah. yes, I, I'm Kim Bailey. So has that been a trick? We got to dwell on that for just a minute. Okay. Because I think that's so common. Mm-hmm. More for, if I can say this, your generation mm-hmm. than maybe our generation to be mm-hmm. known as our husband's wives. Wife. Yes. Did you find yourself going, I'm not just his wife like I am did you have to like work not work through it but process did you process through that I think just for a while it just kind of it was what it was and it didn't really um it's not a bad thing no but it but it kind of after a while it kind of bothers you so he was on staff at church you know Mm -hmm. for about 15 years he did bivocational music ministry and so everybody knew Dan because he was on staff and leading music and he is an extrovert and so everybody knew me as Dan's wife and after a while I, I realized that I needed to be better at getting out and meeting people and learning people's names and letting them know about who I was and yeah you, know. you are his other half. That's named right. Kim. That's my right. Yeah, and in all fairness, the staff thing does make it does. Like totally. my husband makes that joke all the time. Right. I'm yeah. I'm not Jamie or Jaime, depending on how you know him. Yeah. Vallejo, I'm Debbie's husband, you know. Right. I mean exactly. but it, it you know, that does make it different. But then plus with you being more of a natural introvert. Right. I'm sure that was even more more the case, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, we're glad you're here and, and we're glad you're stretching your extrovert muscles. I am. And thank to you. To be on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank <laughs> you for having me. So, I really yeah. appreciate well, it. Thank we you for too. answering the call. So yeah, I feel like I sent out an email to like all of our life group leaders, them and their wives, mm-hmm. or some of them are women. So the women, um, where there's, they're in charge of a life group. And, um, I didn't hear, I heard from bits and pieces and then I had heard from Kim's and hers was, I think I'm supposed to do it. I think might've mm-hmm. been your email. Mm-hmm. And I was like, awesome. Yay. Let's-. And the email, just to clarify, the email you sent was, Hey, we would love to share stories and testimonies. No, it was, or what send was me, it? I want your people that have good stories. Now. No, it was, yeah. <laughs> you make it sound like it was so nice. Was kind of well, I don't even know. Cause you know what? I didn't even see that no. email. Now no, I'm it curious. Was just, hey, do you have any ladies in your life group that have right. a good story that would be willing to tear, tell it mm-hmm. on our podcast, like their story of healing or mm-hmm. restoration, but their time to kind of say, this is what God's done in my life for mm-hmm. other people to be encouraged. And when I got Which the email, is so important. Is, yeah, it's no, awesome. when we I have got to the, know each other's stories. Yes, yes, for sure. So I got the email, and there was a little inkling inside of me. Maybe you should do this. I thought, well, that's really self-serving to just get this and ask, not ask the class. Mm-hmm. So I texted a few ladies that were on a little small text group, and I said, hey here's, you know, the email that came through from Christy. And I'd really love y'all to send me some ideas of some people in our class that we could refer to Christy. And every single one said, Kim, I think you should do it. I think you should. And I was like, okay, Lord, 
I, I'm going to do that. And it's a big stretch for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but here I am being obedient mm-hmm. and praying the Lord will use that. Do you feel like between our time of having coffee on whenever we had it a couple days ago to today, the Satan was like, don't do it. Don't do it. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, maybe a little bit. Yeah. I think it's just more nervous, you yeah. know, it's just more because so many people have a story that I am envious of, you know, kind of the maybe grew up in a really different situation. Mm. And it's kind of the, the typical, you know, mm-hmm. Ward and June Cleaver type thing. And we mm-hmm. always Grew up went to church, church and, yeah. you know, I just had this amazing family. And, um, so not everybody's story is the same. And so being vulnerable to say, not only was mine, you know, not like that, it was really kind of odd and different and challenging. Yeah. It's you're opening yourself up to that. And that's not always, um, fun, but mm-hmm. I think God, wants to use where he's brought us to touch people mm-hmm. and that's why i'm here i love it okay so with that being said yeah tell us about where you grew up well, begin the story begin the in, the, story. in the beginning in yes. the beginning so my parents uh met and married in alaska and that's where they had both uh been in school and um that's where after they were married uh, my brother was born and he's 18 months older than i am so when my parent my mother was pregnant with me my whole family uh, moved to houston my dad was going to be doing work in an offshore oil rig um and so my mom was was living um, with us. I was born in Houston um, with my brother and I in this apartment and my uh, a biological dad was offshore. So long story short, I, I can't really tell you what happened other than I was 18 months old when they got divorced. And um, my biological dad, it was right in the middle of Vietnam War and he went over to Vietnam and uh, served in the military. And my mom soon remarried. Um, and so, um, I was probably maybe around two or so when, when my mom remarried. So my new stepdad, um, and my mom got really heavy into drugs and they were basically hippies. This is the sixties though, too. Yes. Yes. Late sixties. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It was very much part of the culture. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what, you know, really spoke to me is just recently this movie called, um, Jesus revolution. I don't know. Have y'all seen that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So So it's such a good movie, but it was hard for me. I had to really work up to see it. I, I wouldn't go see it in the theater. I waited till it came out and watched it at home because so much of it was what I remember as a small child, you know, the music, um, the drugs, um, the real, you know, atmosphere and of a lot of drug parties and things. And the movie portrays it pretty accurately in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways in the beginning. Um, but you have to think of being a young child and kind of living in that environment. Um, you know, Mm. it was, it was hard. It it was tough. Horrible. It, it was traumatic. And it, it was. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely trauma there. And, um, you know, you work um, through that as adults, but I can kind of talk about that a little bit later. But um, so when I was um, about five, my had my first stepsister was born. And um, my stepfather was abusive to my older brother and I and 
you know, in the ways that you would expect a drug addict to be abusive to his stepchildren. I mean, um, it wasn't a good situation. Um, but I will say in the early 70, uh, 1970s, um, my parents did find Jesus, quote unquote, um, in the Jesus movement. And they were actually members and, and started going to an Episcopal church in Houston. And part of um, their conversion, this Episcopal church decided they wanted to start a ministry for other people coming out of this drug culture. And they tapped my parents on the shoulder to help head that up. So what they did was they found this very like large red brick building that um, was empty and it was a former insane asylum. Okay, so you can imagine so creepy already. Creepy, yeah, like red brick, two story, mm-hmm. insane asylum, the same that, square windows every eight feet. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. How do you know the dimensions of an insane <laughs> asylum, Debbie? Right. Story time. Um, so um, this is where they set this up. Well, we lived on site. So we lived in this building with other college-age students who were hippies but reformed and, and have come to know the Lord. And um, they it's kind of like almost like a commune, you know, where you share responsibilities, you share possessions, you're all working together kind of a thing. And my parents were kind of house parents. So you can imagine as a young child growing up in this and people coming in to stay in this house to come off of drugs. Um, everything that you hear at night, you know, as a young child of people coming off of Mm. addictive drugs, I don't know if there was anybody there who was a quote unquote medical professional. I was just going to ask, was anybody trained to handle this? Not to my knowledge, but Mm. then again, those movements actually were known for thinking you didn't need medical professionals. Right. Mm. Like yeah. that wasn't something if you, I, I mean, don't remember that. anti-system kind of a deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. so it was like the backyard, there were hypodermic needles everywhere. Um, the house was marked for homeless people. So there were people, mm. you know, banging on the door, wanting food and stuff. We, I remember, you know, police officers coming through in the middle of the night with flashlights looking for certain people that were wanted for criminal activity. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot, you know, as again, as a young child to deal with that. Um, I did go to an ecology school, which was very hip and on trend at the time, apparently, <laughs> you know. And she wipes her bangs yes, from her face. Yes, <laughs> very so cool. on, trim, <laughs> on trend. Um, but, I, you know, it's funny that things you don't there's things you block out you know and then there's things you do remember and they're very sporadic and odd um but I remember like we made paper from pulp you know we learned how to make paper mm. um I we had a gardening we did something gardening because I was I about remember to ask digging. you have to have a garden yes in there. <laughs> absolutely I remember gardening and digging in the dirt um we also had lots of animals so I never will forget in one of the classrooms we had this giant I, I don't know what kind of snake it was. It had to be like a python or something. I mean, it was huge. And it was in this clear glass aquarium. And they would call all the kids in from all the classrooms to, like, watch for feeding time. So they'd take a live rat <sighs> by the tail and bang it against the desk to stun it. And then we were all supposed to watch. I'm as, so grossed out right I now. Know, I know. I know. Just the, just the banging of the rat. Yeah. Not even to the watching it Because it was alive. What was, I guess they were trying to make it a little more humane, but still it was very traumatic. You know, it was just kind of like, this is supposed to be good and learning. And And do they, so you're all, I just want to stop you a minute to make sure I'm understanding. You have all these kids there that are essentially being homeschooled. 
in well, this, this is actually, this is part of a public school system in Houston. So we went to public school. So you went to public school yes. during the day, Yes, came home yes. to this place where you were living at night at yes. night. And there was additional kind of things like taking oh, yeah. care of the garden, taking oh, yeah. care of the animals, all yeah. these things you did. Mm-hmm. And the purpose behind having the animals were, mm-hmm. was there a purpose behind it or a well, thought? Like, I still don't well, know. kind of from school, I think it was just responsibility and teaching us because that was all part of the school. So the animals were part of the school system and gardening was part of the school even though it was in your in your building no this was like we would go to school it was an ecology school and oh so the snake was part of the ecology school i'm sorry sorry. i was getting i was getting my stories mixed up no No. that's good that makes more sense okay yeah no all of that like making paper that's what we did yeah i don't remember like did you learn english no i don't remember that we just no no, we may have, and that's but, something, you know. But it was boring. Who wants to remember that? Exactly. When you, can, you can remember snakes. Exactly. And, and All these things you did. hit. And, Just yeah. so different from what I sent my kids to school, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, um, you know, so this this was our life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we lived there. And it wasn't until I was seven. Now, I will have to tell you, back up. When we lived in this house, part of the program that the church had was they wanted to to kind of talk about it as such a success story for the culture and the time they were in. So our family, we had a news crew that came, and they took a picture of our family, um, and we were on the front page of Parade Magazine in the Houston newspaper as this hippie family that, that had was come. taking care of addicts who yes, were coming. Yes, and- yes. So we were literally like the poster mm-hmm. family for hippies and former drug addicts and the Jesus revolution in a way in the area in the area for Mm -hmm. sure so I don't know what happened I mean these are things that our family just didn't talk about I don't know how that ended but it did and so um fast forward I'm uh turning nine years old and we end up moving from Houston to the Texas hill country and this is really where I consider where I grew up. I have a lot more uh, better memories there. But um, my, uh, we bought a mobile home, brand new mobile home, okay? And it was transferred out. We had a one acre of land, and it was on this dirt road. And we, uh, my stepfather was a mechanic, a car mechanic. And my mom was primarily staying at home with us, raising, there's four of us now. And my brother and I, and then my two stepsisters. And so, you know, she had a garden to help feed all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all went to school. Now, the area where we went to school was a 30-minute bus ride each way, okay? Because it was, so we are talking really the rural. very rural, yeah. very yeah. rural area. And the community that we moved to was primarily like a retirement community. There weren't a lot of kids my age, hence why you had to ride the bus 30 minutes mm-hmm. to even get to a school. So in the mornings, we were the last ones to be picked up. So it was a straight 30-minute shot. But coming home, we were the last ones to get dropped off. So we were on the bus for easily over an hour, maybe a little bit longer. But it gave me an opportunity to make friends. And during the time that I was on the bus, one of my friends, her name was Terry Burton. And um, I remember she came up to me and she said, "Um, on Wednesday nights, I go to this thing at my church called Girls in Action. And I thought, oh, 
girl's in action. Like you play games and you're running, you know, you're I'm thinking action. exactly yeah. like you're in action. She said, no, we actually talk about missionaries. I was like, I had no idea, you know, what, mm-hmm. what this was, but I thought, you know, okay. So I went to girls in action and, and I really liked Terry and I enjoyed my time there and learning about missionaries. And, um, a gentleman from the church actually came to our house and was telling my parents that he was head over the bus ministry and you that he had the bus ministry. Oh, I, yes, do, yes. I didn't participate because we weren't here at the time, but I have heard oh. stories oh, yes. about the bus ministry. Oh yes, for sure. So he had asked my parents, he said, you know, Kim has been coming on Wednesday nights and we'd like to know if we could pick her up on Sunday mornings. And so they agreed. And so I became, um, a bus ministry kid and it was this giant, bus that they painted blue you know it's the funny the things you so remember it stands out yeah and it was probably like this is in the 70s so I'm thinking like 1950s if you can imagine <laughs> blue bus yeah. coming down this dirt road mm-hmm. and he would always stop the bus and he would honk you know and he'd wait and I could hear the gear of the the door opening mm-hmm. you know because it was so loud and I, the majority of the time I would go, but I was getting myself ready and getting myself there. And there were times that I didn't, I mean, and I, um, just for whatever reason, and, and he would pop in during the week and say, I just, you know, to my house and he, the pastor d- would no, the gentleman the who, gentleman drove, who the drove, the drove the bus. Yeah. And he'd if just say, didn't I, show up if on I that didn't Wednesday, show up he would come in between or the, on the, the Sunday morning, the Sunday morning, or whenever, picking her up. yeah, he would say, you know, I miss okay. Kim. Is everything okay? You know? And so I felt this, this gentleman, and he was a deacon in the church, had this love for me in a really caring way. And I didn't want to let him down. I mean, I enjoyed coming to church, but it was more like, he's really counting on me. And if I'm not on that bus, Mm. he, you know, he's going to come asking. And he would say, you know, it's so good to see you, but I really started to believe him. You know, Mm. he really enjoys me coming. And so after about six months or so of being part of the bus ministry, I was there every time the church was open, mm-hmm. you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or revival, okay? Mm-hmm. Spring revival comes <laughs> around. So in this spring revival, um, I'm picked up by the bus ministry, and there was one night of the service that, that God just convicted my heart. You know, I heard we had an evangelist come in, and I heard him really talking about, um, you know, my heavenly father. And I had really mixed emotions about that. But the way he was talking about this heavenly father and the forgiveness that he offered for our sins, you know, and, and thinking about my life and, you know, um, the sin that I had as a nine-year-old, the things that I had done to my brothers and sisters or, you know, things I had, maybe I hadn't done something, um, towards my parents. And I just, the Lord really convicted me of that, but I was so shy and introverted that I, could not walk the aisle. Do y'all remember having to mm-hmm. walk the aisle? I do. You know, and, and the, the the hymn would play, and we're just going to have one more chorus yeah. or one more <laughs> stanza, and you're kind of breaking out, you know, in, mm-hmm. in a sweat. I couldn't do it. I just was too shy. And so service ended, 
And a friend was sitting next to me, Cindy. And it's funny because I'm in contact with Terry and Cindy today. Um, So Cindy, who was next to me, she was two years older than I was. And she was that family. Her her parents were very active in the church. Um, And I just told her, I said, you know, I really felt like I should go down there. And I knew I wanted to know a little more about the Lord and being saved. And I said, but I, I couldn't go down there. And I said, I think I'm going to wait towards like Easter. Cause I knew like Easter was several weeks away. And I thought, you know, give me some time to work up to it. And it's a long walk. It is. It's a very long <laughs> walk, especially when you're nine. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So Cindy just said, I don't think you should wait. And she told me all these reasons why. And she grabbed me by the wrist and the pastor was, you know, shaking hands as people left the church. And, uh, she said, Kim's got something to tell you. So I told him, you know, how I was feeling. And he took me to the back of the church and that's where he led me to Christ. And I remember that, um, experience. Mm. I remember just Mm. the feeling of the Holy spirit, you Mm. know, being in that place and just realizing my life was never going to be the same and in a good way, Mm -hmm. you know, because my home life, even though my parents had, um, really um, made this commitment when he lived in Houston. I feel like my mom's commitment was there, but she was really unequally yoked with somebody who, um, you know, by all accounts, I mean, God is his judge. So I don't want to say he never became a Christian, but when you look at his life and the things that he continued to do and the things he continued um, to struggle with and things, I I question that. Um, And so this church really became like my family, you know, and I spent a lot of my childhood um, there and really coming to know the Lord through youth camp and youth ministry and uh, Sunday school and church. Um, and I will say there was a time where on a Wednesday night business meeting, and this wasn't long after, um, I became a Christian. Um, there, there was a little bit of discussion during the business meeting. And it wasn't very often that like GA shut down to go to a business meeting, but this was one of those times. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, so okay, fun. this is going to be interesting. Um, I really wasn't paying attention to be honest, yeah. but, um, you know, people started standing up and talking and you could tell there was some like anger and tension. And I started to listen more and they were angry at all these bus kids, you know, all these bus kids running through the hall, all these bus kids, um, you know, talking. Yeah. We did everything wrong and they were right. We ran in the hall. We made noise during the prayers. We did all these things. We left the water running in the girl's bathroom. Children are not quiet. I mean, we did all the things. No. And I, kept hearing, you know, somebody stand up and say something positive and then somebody stand up and be very upset. And I thought, you know, I don't even have a leg to stand on here. You know, I guilty as charged. And I remember that night thinking this could end it all for me. You know, this could be the end of me being able to come and be part of this church. And, um, so were all the GAs sitting in that meeting? Yeah. Everybody in the whole church. That is <laughs> fascinating to yes. me that no I didn't think no about that until you brought grown it. Oh, adult thought yeah. to go we should not we have a bus be. ministry and yeah. half the kids here in this meeting are bust mm-hmm. and we're gonna sit here and, and be talk about it. talking about mm-hmm. them and mm-hmm. they may be losing this and mm-hmm. the anxiety that is and da, 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 like 
Yeah. That is that is when you're treating church like a business. Right. That is the problem. Right. You're not, I mean. You're not caring for the ones sitting no. in there right. listening to things right. about them. Goodness. Now, not to say they didn't have legitimate reason to be concerned. Absolutely. Like, I mean, if it's your building, you're like, this has to last, but what can we do to change it? But you right. don't have those discussions in front of the Right. For goodness sake. Right. <laughs> but this totally. was back in the day, you know, that everybody wanted to be probably part of the discussion or of other things. And they probably knows? wanted y'all to hear too. Maybe. Right? I feel Maybe. like they they're thinking business. That, I'm thinking they're thinking business of the church. This is missions group Wednesday nights. These people, this is part of their education. This is how church works. They can hear how church works. Education. It was back then. They, were, they had them. kids in the, they were, yeah, in the we, way they should go. There was no separation no. at all. I'm I mean, thinking of Footloose right now and how they talked about dancing exactly. and how they all would listen. That's exactly. my point of reference right exactly. now. I'm so sorry. But I it feel your pain. It was kind of that way. Yeah. So I left there and just was really unsure. Yeah. And, you know, the gentleman who rode the or drove the bus, you know, he said, you know, I'll be back. I'm going to be back to get you. And I was like, okay. But I, I still felt a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And about three weeks later, it was on a Sunday morning. We're all in church. And wait, so you still went on yeah, he, they The bus and continued Sundays, to they come. They were picking her up Sunday She's morning. They were, you didn't have to yeah. wait three weeks later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, with three weeks of just this going on. Okay. And we didn't really talk about it, but they continued but to come. And mm-hmm. I went. Did you and, act uh, better? You know, I would hope so. <laughs> I don't know if I remember that. I probably should have. <laughs> I probably did. Mm-hmm. I was pretty much a rule follower yeah. anyway. Um, but, um, okay, Sunday, sorry. yeah, no, that's great. So the pastor stands up and he says, I have an announcement to make and we're starting a new program here at the church and we are having adopt a grandparent program. And each one of the kids who's on the bus ministry, we're going to have you adopted by a grandparent. <laughs> and this person this. is going to sit with you. And they're going to teach you how to find scripture in the Bible when we're opening our Bibles. Mm. They're going to teach you how to sing out of the hymnal. They're going to teach you how to not run in the exactly. halls. Exactly. Yes. They're going to teach you how to turn exactly. off the faucets in the bathroom. I love that. They're going to the teach things. you. I mean, that would be the sweet way to have the conversation in yes. front of kids. Yes. After. Yes. <laughs> No, but they still made it. So let's do this. They made they it made right it. by offering. They made right. it. Not getting rid of And somebody was like, we can't get rid of this. So what are right. we going to come up with? And someone Which thought through this program. Which is the way to do program. it. And Which I, is great. Yes. And I think there was so a group sweet. that probably really wanted to do away with the bus program. Totally. I mean, they, they just didn't Always. want these kids. And mm-hmm. I... I I get it. You know, mm-hmm. I really do. I don't. Um, I don't. But, okay, that's I don't nice. I, I could be a nice. I, I could understand. Wrong. You know, people are bad. Get rid right. Of well, I'll, and I'll let's just one. face it. You know, they kind of get set in their ways. Totally. And this is our. You know, I heard it all yes. growing up. But like, this is our church, and we built this church, mm-hmm. and this Somebody is the way to we like Luke it. Luke nine forty eight to yes, them again, which exactly. is pretty much. You know, exactly. Jesus is saying, "You welcome these kids." It's like you welcome God. Exactly. Man. I mean, it for sure not. Even it's if they're not way a little more thing. children, if yeah. they leave the water on, you children exactly. carry them. That's yeah. right. Well, I just credit the Lord speaking to this pastor to come up yes. with a solution. Yeah, totally. Because not only did it save the bus ministry, but it took my level of of um, commitment to the church and the church really feeding me spiritually. Because I you were say confidence in humankind, <laughs> mankind. <laughs> that too. But because it, I developed a, a relationship with someone and they did tell me mm. how to find scripture or, you know, hymnal, not everybody knows how to read music. I was reading line for line, you know, and if there were four verses, mm. I was off after the first line, you mm. know, um, and so taught me how to read out of the Bible and would send me a card for my birthday, would give me a small gift 
at Christmas, you know, would put a postcard in the mail. I missed you. I hope everything's okay. Um, but just somebody there at church was waiting for me and pouring themselves into me um, as a spiritual leader. And and the the girls were uh, had more of a grandmother role, and the the boys that came had more of a grandfather role. Um, but that was just a huge. Um, time in my life mm-hmm. um, where the church um, reached out to, you know, someone who didn't feel lovable, mm-hmm. you know, didn't feel worthy. Um, and they were going to do away with something that uh, they're going to do away with a, let's see if I can say this right, do away with a, uh, and your ability to connect with other people through God's church. Right. And that was stressful. Absolutely. And those are your people. That's where you felt at home almost. Right. I felt More safe home. there. Yes. yes. There you go. And I think safe. sometimes so we just have to be reminded that that's literally the only reason we're here. Right. That there mm-hmm. is nothing else the church is supposed to be doing except right. for feeding, discipling, right. loving souls. Right. That is it. A building is a means mm-hmm. to an end. That's it. And so I think what's cool about the story is at some point, somebody remembered that Mm -hmm. at some point, somebody goes, this is why we're here. Right. If we can't do this, right. There's no reason for us to exist. Literally. We're not the church. And I think it's interesting too, because I'm hearing the difference between kind of the parachurch, like Mm -hmm. the Jesus revolution type movement, which is the parachurch kind of ministries, um, that, or even more the pop-up, like the Billy Graham, I guess. Because mm-hmm. parachurch, like some are, do exist and they yeah. stay in a, you yeah. know. But um, then there's the church, right, whose long-term discipleship movement. And in the end, I mean, what you heard about sometimes the Jesus Revolution and some of these, even mm-hmm. Billy Graham ministries, is they were there and then they were gone. Right. And they've left yep. kind of stuff to be done. Yep. And so what does that look like? What does that mean? And so it's kind of cool that you had that in your parents' life, mm-hmm. but you still weren't going to church. It didn't sound like no. even after your parents went through the no. Jesus revolution and we, your mom was saved. They didn't. When we moved to the hill country that we were not involved at church at all. And that's why I said, I don't know exactly what happened. Um, but there wasn't that going on. And that's why this friend inviting me, um, you know, they became kind of my, um, my group, you know, my so people. So that's how really you really un- began to understand who oh, the Lord for was. for sure. For was sure. through the church. Absolutely. Not I, through I don't remember, the salvation no, of your parents. No, I don't remember ever attending church at that, you know, at that Episcopal mm-hmm. church. I don't remember children's classes. I don't remember a lot of those things. I just remember us living in this house, you know, mm-hmm. with these people. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of their ministry. Now that doesn't, I remember like in the house, we'd have like group Bible study, but it was more geared towards older yeah, adults, adults, college yeah. age and older, right. you know, we were just there, if you will. Um, so I really feel like the first time I was really induced, introduced to the Lord was when I was part of the best ministry. So did your parents ever go to the church with you once you started attending? Did they decide, did they ever go? My dad really didn't. Um, My stepdad didn't. My mom did. After a while, she began to come, you know, but it was after several years, you know, and she was, um, you know, in a place where I feel like she would come more often. And then my brothers and sisters too, you know, and this is where when you've had kind of 
childhood trauma, there's bits and pieces you remember and you don't remember. And sometimes things will just trigger a memory that you you didn't even Mm -hmm. know you had. So, and I was thinking about that as I was writing this, I was like, why don't I remember this or that? And the Lord just kind of impressed upon me. Don't worry about that. Just, Mm -hmm. this is your testimony. Cause I, I even thought about, I thought I should call my brother and, and talk to him about some of these things to like, do I, do I have all this kind of right in my head? Um, because it, it just so much of it is kind of piecemealed when mm-hmm. you've kind of blocked things. Um, so if, and as we're so good, we don't Can need we do it. it yes. For, so keep going. Well, that's, that's what so I was, good. so as you're, cause I don't want to, um, we don't need to get in details about right. what you're saying about the um, abuse you were experiencing, but you're talking about trauma. And I think as people are listening, we want to make sure they understand that you're going to church Yes. Your mom is saved, but yes. even through all of this, you're still experiencing a very difficult home life. Absolutely. With a stepdad Absolutely. that is very hard to live with and Absolutely. is abusive. Absolutely. And so that is progressing even mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. you are growing in your walk with the Lord. Absolutely. How mm-hmm. do you, as a child, mm-hmm. how do you match those together? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you live in this life here and yet go and learn about this Lord who is loving, who is not changing your circumstances. Like, how did you do that? Can you explain that a little bit? It was really hard. And, and I think it was even harder as an adult looking back, like, you know, when you get married and have your own kids and you, you're like, how did, how did, you know, I really wrestled with how didn't God just remove or change the circumstances. You know, he left me in that, but I, I think I had enough. Um, I don't know if it was spiritual insight. I think that was part of it, but also just a peace in knowing that these people were from the Lord, you know? And I, I think it was interesting that these were, this was a godly man who was leading the bus ministry. And, you know, even though I, I wrestled with, an earthly, you know, biological father who had left, you know, and so I felt this sense of abandonment and not, not pointing fingers or blame because I don't know all the situation or circumstances, but that's what happened. Mm -hmm. I didn't really meet him until I was 30 years old. Okay. He was not part Mm -hmm. of our childhood. And then having this stepfather who, who was not a godly person. Um, now he did work and he did provide a roof over our heads. And, and for that, I'm thankful, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of other things that happened that were very traumatic for us. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was a struggle and I've, I struggled for a long time about, um, this heavenly father, you know, the whenever they father. Was, the father or daddy, yeah, yeah. those things would just like the hair on the back of my mm-hmm. neck would stand up because my connotation of that was so skewed. And I really had to pray about that, you know, and ask Wait, the Lord to show me. How old are you at this time that you're thinking through father and really at nine when I heard the pastor talking, when oh, the evangelist is, yeah, I really didn't, I, I, I was curious about this heavenly father who mm. loved me. Cause I didn't feel loved. Yeah. I felt abandoned and I felt used. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to know more mm. and the deeper my faith grew, the more he revealed himself to Course, me, you yes. know, and I just would feel this peace and mm. love when I was at church mm. and God used 
you know, this deacon, the pastor and his wife, you know, they had an incredible experience as well. Um, they had three children who were, who were a little bit older than my brother and I. So they had at the, at the time, and I'm trying to think, I was probably at this point, like in the sixth grade and they had a daughter who was in the eighth grade and a son who I think was a junior or a sophomore in high school. And their oldest daughter was a senior in high school. And again, our school is 30 minutes away. Um, one day after school, the oldest daughter that was a senior was driving all three of the kids home from school. So she had her brother and her sister in the car and it was raining and they had an accident and the two younger children were killed. Mm. So their eighth grade girl and their sophomore boy were killed and their oldest daughter, um, was in ICU for a very long time and had a very serious injuries and I remember, you know, the church talking about this and the updates. And I heard a lot of things at school, too, because we were a very small community. Mm-hmm. And after about a year of their oldest daughter recovering and um, getting enrolled in college and getting her set up, and she was, she was well on her way to, to kind of working through this, it was probably about a year after the accident, our pastor stood up and just said, you know, my wife and I, had always talked about going to the mission field, and we had planned to do that when our youngest daughter graduated high school. But God allowed this to happen, and we feel like this is just a fast track for us to do what he's called us to do. Mm. And they left, and they became missionaries in Africa for years and years and years through the North American Mission Board and served bringing others to Christ. And, you know, as a young child, thinking about man, if they can still love the Lord and want to serve him after losing these children, you know, how impressionable that was to me. What a commitment, what a love you would have. Mm. And, um, they knew our family was very poor. Um, we didn't get anything new, hardly at all. Sometimes a few things. We had a lot of hand-me-downs, but, that's one of the things before they left, they brought their clothes from their daughter and son who were pretty close, you know, age apart Mm -hmm. from my brother and I to our house. And they gave us their things, you know, and, um, that was, that made an impact on me that they cared about me. They Mm -hmm. could have given those clothes to anybody. And as an adult, I think about it, they could have burned them, you know, I mean, like, I don't want to see that because they knew I would wear those to church they knew they would see me in their daughter's clothes. Mm. Um, mm. But I felt like they loved me, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. They did. They totally loved you for sure. Mm-hmm. So you spend high school. Where did you go off to? So you're developing your relationship with the Lord yeah. and serving mm-hmm. and being a part of the church. Mm-hmm. And then you go off to college. Mm-hmm. So at the end of my junior year, my family moved from the Hill Country into Austin proper. Mm-hmm. And to say there was an adjustment is an understatement. That must have been, you were leaving your church then, I, which I, they did not yeah, understand probably. Yeah. I was not only leaving my church, my, my school, like there were 87 people in my mm. class. Okay. Like mm. our whole high school had 300 people. And when we moved into Austin, we moved into the part of the Austin that's, that's probably comparable to Frisco to Dallas. It's mm-hmm. like booming metropolitan area. Um, and I got enrolled at the end of my junior year. I transferred in to this high school and there were thousands of kids. And I'll just tell you, I did not handle it well being an introvert. Um, and it just, there was a lot of things going on that just, 
were not my not 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 part of what I wanted to be you part just, of. You have the introvert, but you also yes. have the, the cultural distinction oh, too. Like because I moved my junior year from yes. England, so I can relate to you. Yes. Um, because you're moving from kind of a small, very town, town, very small town to a city. Yep. Difference in population, but just culturally, those yes. distinctions are big. They're it's your huge. junior year, so yep. it's like you. Everyone knows their place, right? And you're trying to. It's trying to fit a square peg to a round hole. Exactly. It's really difficult. Yes. Um, so you go in, then you've left your church and everything, yes. and you're taking your family with you. It's coming right. with you, and that's still hard. Right. It's not like you're feeling a support there. Right. So do you spend the next two years kind of in a shell? Like, how does that work kind for you? Kind of. I figured out by the end of my junior year, I I couldn't do my senior year there. And I just oh. went to my parents and I said, I can't do this. This is overwhelming for me. Um, I, I am just really not comfortable at all doing this. And basically, I convinced them to let me take my GED and start in college. So at the end of my junior year, I took the GED and I passed it and I started at the local community college in Austin. And that was my, that was the give and take. Okay, we, we, we get it. After a little while, they were against it in the beginning. Um, but they allowed me to do that. And so I started, um, uh, at 17 in, in college and, uh, just taking basics, you know, and so I was working, uh, part-time and doing that. And then, um, uh, we started, so by this time, my mom was going to church more and my brothers and sisters were as well. We were kind of, when we'd moved by this time, uh, going to a church there in Austin. And that's where I met Dan, um, at church. Now, unbeknownst to me, his family lived six houses down from us. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. And I had met his whole family before I met him. Um, he was the oldest of four and, um, he was dating someone else at the time. Yes. So, (laughs) and so when that, that broke off, that's when, um, we got to know each other and started dating. And so we started dating, um, in November was the first time he asked me out. And then, uh, I was 17 at the time, um, in that November and the following, uh, November, when I turned 18, we got married. So we started dating in November. He proposed to me in February and we got married the next And November. how old was Dan? He was 20. Okay. And I was 18 mm-hmm. and everybody gave us six months. They'll never make it. Not going to happen. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. The odds were against us mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but yeah, here we are. It'll be 39 years this November. Oh, that's awesome. So by the grace of God, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. um, it's he's a gift and you know that's one of those things I really prayed about um because I could tell I was um kind of dating people during high school especially that I was like you know this is not the most godly person Mm -hmm. that I should be dating um and and I really got to a place where I just hit my knees and said Lord I don't want to make a big mistake here you know I don't want to end up in a situation like what I was raised in and really called out to the Lord so many specific things, you know, about Dan not knowing him. I didn't even know him at the time. This is when he was mm-hmm. dating Vicky. Not that there's any hard feelings <laughs> or anything. Um, That's awesome. Um, you know, but even down to, like, my stepdad was a mechanic. And so he always had, like, grease under his nails and his hands were always really dirty. And I'm like, Lord, I'd really like someone 
you know, he's a white collar worker just because I want those hands to touch me to be different mm-hmm. than what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just somebody who loves the Lord. And, um, he was, Dan was playing bass guitar in a Christian band at church at the time and loves music. And, um, I had always felt in my heart that, um, I was going to marry someone who was involved in ministry to some extent. Um, and so after we had dated for a while, I kind of asked him, you know, we were out on a date and I said, you ever thought about, you know, maybe being in ministry? He's like, yeah, but not like on church staff kind of ministry. You know, I don't know if I'd ever really do that, you know, um, but maybe like playing, you know, musically or something. And, and something inside just said, don't listen to him, you know, just, just, just trust the Lord. And, um, it was probably, maybe three or four years after we were married that he really felt the Lord was calling him to surrender to bivocational ministry and using the gifts God had given him musically, um, to lead, especially in smaller churches, that it's very hard for them financially to bring a full-time person on staff. I have a, you have a question. I do too, but you can go. No, you go. Okay. You kind of talked to or alluded to kind of counseling and stuff before. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, when we get married, mm-hmm. that is the closest relationship we will ever have. We've talked about that on here. Yeah, we get all everybody listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, how was that getting married mm-hmm. and then carrying mm-hmm. the weight mm-hmm. of your family of origin with you? As we all do. Um, can you? Is there anything you can tell us about kind of the bumps in the road you and Dan had? Mm-hmm. I think that would be helpful for some of our yeah, ladies for sure to hear. Um, kind of the bumps in the road you guys had to navigate because of what you were bringing. And even, I don't, this isn't Dan's story, a piece of it, but you know, I'm sure Dan was bringing stuff too, because we all do. Um, Mm -hmm. I was telling my kids, I was like, just the other day, I was like, yeah, just wait. Yeah. You will, we've messed you up. It's just a matter of when (laughs) you find out (laughs) how we messed you up. But, um, so like, how can you explain to us anything that you, that just stands out as specifically as things you guys had to work through? Um, because of what yeah. um, you've just kind of talked about Absolutely. already. Absolutely, And I think a lot of things we had to work through mm-hmm. and we were young and we didn't have much money. So, you know, there's an immaturity factor there. There's a financial factor there. Um, when we married, Dan was still going to school. Neither one of our families had um, any money for us to go to college. So anything that we wanted to do. We were paying for it ourselves. So when we got married, we were trying to fund that. And Dan was working nights. I was working days. We both worked for State Farm Insurance at the regional office, but he was a a shift lead like in data processing and stuff. And so um, there was a lot of trauma in our marriage and things that I like you said both of us had brought you know he mm-hmm. had a lot of things that he had been through as the oldest um you know there was a lot put on him he was a very type a person and you know I think he still had some anger and some things that he was dealing with and and like I, you said this is that's his story but and then I had all this trauma and and to be very honest I I didn't go into deep detail about my childhood. He knew a little bit. He knew um, my stepdad, and he knew things weren't great. Um, But we did have to do a deep dive in counseling, especially me. And um, when we were first married, I realized that I thought, oh, I can just push all this down, and I can just 
forget about all this. This is in the past and this is my new life and I'm moving forward. But so much of that was still there and things that would happen that would, you know, trigger memories or trigger things that kind of would send me, you know, in, in just a really upset state. And, you know, then you've got this newlywed husband standing there going, what'd I do? What'd I do? And it's easy you know? to get defensive. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause you don't understand where it's coming exactly. from. So if you're both yeah. getting defensive about things, it yeah. just feeds off each other. And I had to sit him down and really be honest with him, um, about what had happened. And so many things it wasn't like I was purposely trying to, you know, get him into a relationship with, you know, with all these hidden secrets, I really felt in the back of my mind, a lot of it I'd put out of my mind and a lot of it you block out. Mm -hmm. I mean, with trauma, you just block it out. And then I think there's things that happen that trigger it. It just comes like a flood. I mean, you just feel almost immersed. And it's out of nowhere. You don't know out it's going to happen until right. it happens. It does. I mean, like, yeah. Well, even totally that don't. movie, Jesus Revolution, when it mm-hmm. came out, that oh, sounds yeah. like it was a trigger for you. It was, yeah. for sure. It took me a while to be able to watch that. Which is interesting because my mom had, Jesus Revolution was is a happy um, movie for mm-hmm. her because she was like, that's when I came to Christ. That's when like right. my grandparents came. So you've referenced it before where it's, there's both sides of that movie right. that you don't even think about right. the side where you're coming from, which is right. so interesting. And right. what is in the people have come out and kind of spoken, they were involved in that movement mm-hmm. even that have come out and spoken against the movie mm-hmm. have been because they have similar stories. Yeah. And so it is interesting that, but again, even churches, how many churches now have we found have amazing, loving people, but then people now as grownups you're talking and they had horrible stories as kids with churches right like it's just people yes Mm -hmm. like we we're all people and people mess up and make horrible horrible mistakes and decisions and they're mean and they're cruel Mm -hmm. and they're harsh so what you've done with your story then it Mm -hmm. sounds like as you've decided I'm gonna walk through a path of redemption right I'm taking this story right and I'm turning it into something different right so we're can you explain, like, when did you kind of finally get to the place where I'm really moving forward with healing? Like, mm-hmm. I really feel free. Mm-hmm. Like, that must have taken, like, a while. I'll be honest with you. I'm still on that journey. Okay. I want to sit here and say I'm free, you know? And there's so many things that I am And you're so tearing up. Better. Like, you can't yes. hear you. She's tearing up <laughs> and she's talking about it. But, mm-hmm. it's but a- you know, um, there's so many things he has um, healed me from. But they're still hurt, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a process. And so I'm, I'm just a big proponent of counseling, Christian counseling, and I've had to do that several times in our marriage, and in my adult life. And there's such a value of a godly woman who is a trained professional, and also like a neutral third party person, you know, to hear your story and give you godly insight and um, put you on a path of right thinking, Mm -hmm. you know? And I've come, I mean, if you had known me then to know me now, I've come so far. Mm -hmm. But will I ever be completely healed one day when I stand before the Lord? Amen. Good. Good I don't know if that's going to be in this lifetime, Mm -hmm. maybe. But it's, we've said this a lot. It's progress, not perfection. Oh, it is. When I had a counselor tell me that, it was eye-opening for me. Yeah. Like, stop. It's not, 
fixed totally. Right. It's progress. And perfection. you think of people that have, you know, this just kind of came to mind, like Johnny Erickson Tata. Mm-hmm. She had a traumatic physical injury. Will her body ever be healed on this earth? From the looks of it, no. Mm-hmm. Right. But will she be healed in heaven? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I had some trauma emotionally. Mm-hmm. Will I ever be perfectly healed on this earth? Maybe, maybe not, but I know one day I will. And until then, his love for me and his grace for me and and his presence and his word is enough, you know, for what I need day to day. So I feel like we can't keep, like, that's a good way to end Mm because it's, we've, but I would love to have like you and Dan on together. Mm -hmm. So Dan can talk about what it means to support somebody. Right for y'all to support each other yes on your healing journeys but, because yeah that's big like if you're saying it's not going to be totally fixed that means we oh, as yeah. a spouse I have to acknowledge yeah this is something I'm walking with my yeah the person I love my partner every yeah. day in this and that's okay yeah. and I can't fix and I can't it fix as it a spouse. yeah no. and but it's going to be something because I'm married to this person oh, that absolutely. I will be living through with my spouse exactly. like it will be something that will be a part of me right because I've since chosen. we can't make it Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like it is, I'm doing this with you right? because I love you. And right. that's part of that sacrificial love yes. that you do for each other. And yes. I think it's, I love hearing that part of your story mm-hmm. because it, it's you guys decide to do it together. It's right. a choice. It's a choice. Saying, it's a choice. Like that's you're right. making a choice to stay Every together day. and to stay in it. Cause so many people that's true. nowadays jump ship and do not want to keep mm-hmm. that choice and make that right. choice. Cause it's too hard. Because right. it's hard. It is hard. It is hard. And, and so when the, the spouse easy. sticks with mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. that's gone through a hard life, right? you are thankful for it. And Absolutely. It does renew your hope in humanity, mankind, but also mm-hmm. in, in the Lord. Right. Like, thank mm-hmm. you, Lord. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, he's an answer to prayer. He mm-hmm. is a gift. And he is a tremendous, um, he is a tremendous heart. Mm-hmm. He does. And there's no doubt that he loves me because I don't think anybody else would stay the course. You and you have, have how many kids before? We have two kids? children. You have two mm-hmm. kids. How many grandbabies? So we now have four. Ah, yes. Four grandbabies. Yes. Four in four years. Like they just decided Boom. to give them to us real quick. So oh. I don't know if you like the song, but when people start telling their stories, songs always come to mind. So this yes. one came to mind. Let's Christy's our can... music person. Uh I'm going to actually start it over from the beginning because I like the very beginning, if it'll let me. And we'll start there. Thank you so much for coming. Yes. Kim, we appreciate thank you this for is having Kim me. Bailey. And that's it from us today. That's all we have time for. But um, thank you so much for sharing, Kim. Um, I, We know it's hard to share. Um, Kristen mm-hmm. and I have opened ourselves wide on this podcast before, mm-hmm. um, too. So um, it's not a not an easy thing. So yes, I do appreciate you. it. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And that's it from us at Noisy Narratives this week. Um, until next week, everyone. That's it for now. Bye. Life can be a